welcome to the Leadership Prescription Podcast for Women Physicians, where we inspire, motivate, and empower every woman in medicine to be the best leader you can be, and where we give you the practical skills and tips to help you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Dr. Asha. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Leadership Prescription Podcast for Women Physicians. My guest today is Dr. Deepti Bhandare, a cardiologist who has so many titles that I'm going to let her talk about it. But today I'm really thrilled to welcome her to the podcast and have her share with you her life story, her journeys, her trials and tribulations as a leader, as a physician, an immigrant physician, immigrant woman physician in a very male dominated field of cardiology. So welcome Deepti and thank you for being here today. Hi, Asha. Thank you for having me over. I was born in Goa, which is like a small state in India. And I grew up in a two-physician household. My father was an internist and my mother was a pulmonologist. I completed my med school in Goa Medical College, which is actually one of the oldest medical colleges in Asia. I completed residency in internal medicine and fellowship in cardiology at Wayne State University in Detroit, Michigan. I then moved to Sebring, which is a small town in south-central Florida, and have been working as a cardiologist at Advent Health Sebring, which is a part of the Advent Health System, which is one of the largest not-for-profit healthcare system in the USA. I am the medical director of echocardiography and stress lab. I'm the medical director for Cardiac Rehabilitation Center, and I've been recently made the medical director for the heart failure program at my hospital. I've been working with Dr. Diego Sadler from Cleveland Clinic Westin in forming a cardiology task force for cardio-oncology. Cardio-oncology is like a new branch of cardiology where we focus on oncology patients who've had cardiac issues or who are going to have cardiac issues because of the chemotherapeutic agents that they're going to receive. So we are trying to assess gaps in the knowledge and then create an educational material for the emerging field of cardio-oncology. So Deepti, you have been in Sebring. How did you get started in leadership? Because before we started recording, you mentioned something about early career physicians and how hard it is for them, for us to get into leadership, coming out of fellowship or even residency, starting a new job. So what was the first position that you had and how did that come about? The first position that got offered to me was to be the director of the echocardiography lab. There was a director that was retiring and they were looking for somebody new. And I was very interested in echocardiography. So that position kind of fell into my lab and it really changed the way we are reading echoes. I got the whole lab digitalized. I got the whole lab ICAL accredited, which is one of the national accreditations that we want for our lab. Mm-hmm. The thing that we did was it was back in 2015. 3D echo or 3D TEs had just come out and I was trained to do that in my fellowship. I presented that to my CEO. I said, you know, it's something that's really neat for our patients. It's going to help our patients with valvular heart diseases. And within three months, he approved the 3D TE. And it was that time when not too many smaller hospitals had it. Even bigger university hospitals were just getting their feet wet into the 3D echo or 3D TE stream. So that was something neat that I could do and we've been using all all these modalities now. Let's talk about, you just said you went to the CEO with the proposal. So let's back up for a bit there because that's not an easy thing for a physician in early stages of career to say, I'm going to go to the CEO and present something. 
Tell me about the challenges and how did you even prepare yourself for something as a junior, what in an academic place would be junior faculty, deciding yeah. that you want to go to the CEO and present this? I want to give credit to the CEO that we had at that time. It was Mr. Bruce Burgum. He had newly joined as the CEO and he did something very unique that I've not seen the other CEOs do. What he did was he went to every physician and he asked them, what do you want? And every physician was telling them, and I told them, I'm just a new director. I would love to have a 3D echo. And usually, even when we want to get a normal 2D echo machine, it takes one or two years to get, you know, the finances straightened up and everything. But I guess he just realized that I'm, I just need something. And I was very excited to tell him about the new machine and how it's going to change the way we practice medicine. It got approved within three months, which is kind of unheard of um, yes. in our place, like to get something approved. I mean, it's a big financial investment like that. So I must say that, you know, it was nice of him to come to every physician and ask them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something that you learn. Uh, you learn from other people too during your leadership, like how, how important it is to be humble and ask people what they want. It's not always about telling other people what to do, but asking people for their need. That is such a good sign of leadership. So being that this is a podcast for women physicians interested in leadership, what does leadership mean to you? I think the first thing is be the leader that you've always wanted to have. You can't expect yourself to be a leader and kind of cut off yourself from everybody. You need to know your people vertically and horizontally to grow. You need to have the growth mindset. And I think being a leader is realizing that growth is an infinite term. You do not stop growing. You keep on growing every day. Also realizing that you can be a good leader. And there are days when you can be a good leader. And there are days when you're going to be not such a good leader. But it's important to continue growing and continue being a part of the leadership. For me, I think there should be three good attributes of a good leader. You should be hardworking, you should be honest, sincere, and you should be humble. Never forget your pleases and thank yous, no matter where you are. Professionally, I think you should be a good listener. You should be able to receive and provide good feedback, constructive criticism, and always be grateful of the people around you and always be aware of the circumstances because Sometimes it's the circumstance and it's not the person whom you're trying to correct or whom you're trying to teach. It's mm-hmm. always aware of your circumstances. So true. And you hit on all the important points for good leadership. So can you think of any challenging situations that you have had where you were calling upon some of these skills that you have learned over the last few years? Can you remember a challenging situation that you've had, which made you look at all these different factors that you just mentioned? For me, one of the most challenging situations is overcoming stereotypes. And stereotypes happen in different strata of the society. You know, it can happen with the people that you work with, with your family, with your relatives, with your superiors. So this was a story and I will never forget the story. You know, I was interested in cardiology the day one I joined my internal medicine residency. And, you know, cardiology is a competitive fellowship. So I was trying to get all my research in, make my CV impressive. And I remember going to this, you know, a very nice, very well-meaning attending And I asked him, what do you think about me applying for cardiology fellowship? And what he told me was, you are too sweet to be a cardiologist. And I was like, why did he say that? And I was taken aback and kind of sad. Like, you know, why did he say that I'm too sweet to be a cardiologist? I went back to my husband and whenever I'm sad or upset, I go to my husband and I asked him, he said, you're too sweet to be a cardiologist. Try for another fellowship. And this is what my husband told me, like, you know, 
people people perceive you in a very different way so i was an asian i was a woman i was an immigrant and i'm not too tall i'm a short person so the cardiologists that we had in our institute at that time were 90% male and most of them were like white caucasian males who are like you know tall and uh, big so i did not fit into what they wanted to see and that's what my husband told me i am pretty aggressive with my husband that's what he tells me so he said if you're half of half as aggressive <laughs> as i'm with him you are fine do not bother about what people have to say and even my mother i remember she is a physician herself she told me don't go into cardiology it's not a ladies field you won't have time for your kids and even before that i've had people who've tell me do not go into medicine it's too much work and look how busy your mom is you're always going to be busy so i think these these stereotypes are something that can hamper your growth for me i'm a very strong minded independent woman and for me i could overcome the hurdles but sometimes if a female is not that focused or determined or is kind of shaky as to what she has to do impressions like this can change their mind can make them even change their desire to pursue a fellowship so i think for me the biggest hurdle was overcoming stereotypes and secondly was my family situation what happened was when i was doing my residency and fellowship my husband is a software engineer he had to work from wisconsin and i was in detroit so we had a long distance relationship almost for 6 years and during this time i had my older daughter who is now 11 in residency and my second daughter was now 7 during fellowship so we kind of had our family during this time so it was a you know time of struggle for me so what i think happens is sometimes when family struggles i mean family struggles or you know if you and your husband are not on the same page or at the same wavelength many women can back out of leadership at that time so it's important to kind of work together as a team and you know i must give credit to my husband who's been a very strong support system for me he's my biggest cheerleader and my biggest critic at the same time and it's always important to remember that you're you're in this together as a team and we have our ups and downs we have our fights but it's the journey that matters so true <laughs> and you hit it there break them all right break the stereotype break the and, stereotypes yeah yeah and that's... i think i have to mention another thing is babysitters having babysitters i mean i did all my most of my leadership the positions that i had were when my kids were like tiny tots and i could do them because of my babysitters i had awesome babysitters who took care of my kids better than i could take care of so investing in good babysitters is a must it really helps you you know not to worry about your family all the time and always have a backup babysitter that's something that i learned in case the first babysitter has issues health instances if there's a backup person so that prevents you from going through more challenging times yes so true a couple of really important points you brought out there is have systems in place which help you to do what you want to do and in certain circumstances like in residency and fellowship you really are limited on the time that you can do other things so having the support available both from your spouse and from other people that you can use to help you support your family while you grow your career is so important what are some of the challenges that you then faced moving into an attending position and a young faculty position it was one thing after another that came into my lap i started as a treasurer of the medical staff committee 
and I was just being honest, doing my hard work. And I think people get to realize that you're a hardworking or since you're female. And that's how it went with the vice chair. I went to the pharmacy and therapeutic committee and eventually even became the president of medical staff for two years. And you end up spending a lot more time in those events, those committees. But I think it helps you grow. It helps you grow at a professional and at a personal level, too. Absolutely. You said something about these leadership positions that they didn't just come to you. You were picked for them. So what did you do? Obviously, you volunteered for some, but there were others that you were asked to step into those roles. And knowing that you had a growing family and knowing that these were challenges, how did you reconcile that work-life balance? Because I think I find that many young physicians tend to stay away from leadership because they feel like they're going to take away from their family time and they have what a lot of us do, which is mom guilt, and feel like we can't do a lot of these extra roles because of the time commitment. So how did you reconcile that with your family, with your situation? To me, again, two most important things that I had was my babysitter and my husband. And I want to thank my in-laws also because they've raised such a good boy into men who respects other women, who treats them as equal and who allowed me to grow into a full potential. You know, coming from India, we live in a very patriarchal society where I've seen women, not just in India, even in US, they have to sacrifice their careers just because even if they might be better than their spouses, just because it's always a men's career. So I think raising boys into into men who respect women and who think women are equal to them is a very, very important thing. That's number one, like having a good backup support. And I know there are some people who don't have it. and And I can imagine how difficult it must be for them. So for me, I guess I was always eager to learn. I was very passionate to get into all those directorial positions. I like to have all those directorial positions in my CV. And I think when the kids are young, they don't, I mean, they are having fun, but they do not remember too much of the fun that they're having. So it's okay to have babysitters around you. As they're growing up, as they go into middle school, high school, that's when they start really forming their memories. And it's at that time they really want you more or they need you more. I'm seeing that I'm kind of backing out of, I mean, I, I already am a part of so many committees, but I'm not eager as much. And my, my hunger is not as much as it was before, because I think I am directing a little bit more focus onto my family as they're going into middle school. So, you know, they have so many activities and I want to be a part of all their activities too. So I think, and I read an interesting article that, you know, women are most challenged or most stressed out from the ages of 35 to 50. Because that's the time they are struggling between their kids and a job. And once it's going to high school, things kind of streamline. So there are days when I'm like, oh, my God, I just want this day to end. I just remember that there are many other women just like me. And you just, you know, got to just relax and pick up the stuff next day and move on. So that's one thing. I think my eagerness to be a part of it was very important. And I think then women always focus on their jobs and on their family. There's an important part of networking, you know, networking with other like-minded people. And when you network, you know, you can network in the meetings that you go to at FMA, at ACC. When you do networking, you meet so many like-minded people who end up eventually becoming your mentors, your sponsors. You learn so many strategies that are good for your personal growth from them. So I think network is something that 
females are not too much into and that's where you can go into all this leadership position so when i went to acc i come from a small hospital at you know i'm not a part of a university based hospital this is like a small standalone hospital and i was just there i was telling them if you have any positions let me know and they were more than happy to give me the acc the staff at acc they were more than happy to give me all those positions they even made me like the board of director i'm a member of the board of directors for the governor and i was elected to be a part of it so that's a huge thing for acc so just be eager put yourself out there you know if you're and what they say is that if you're not on the table you're on the menu spend a couple of hours a month to be a part of these committees you get to learn a lot and i think people up there also realize that you're a female who's interested in doing everything and they want to support you to your maximum growth so true and that what you were talking about just now made me remember something you said earlier about interpersonal skills and emotional intelligence and how some of the courses that you did helped you with that with all these positions that you are in there's a lot of interaction between you as a physician and the c suite and it's a little different from clinical medicine so let's talk a little bit about that about what you've learned what skills you learned what skills are needed and necessary to move between that world of clinical medicine and the hospital administrators i think the one most important skill is be an advocate for yourself if you have a problem you got to find a solution and if you have a problem just don't go to them to the cc suite with problems go to them with couple of solutions and let them pick or let them choose something that they think is right for you and something that i hone about is being sincere if you're sincere people realize that even if you might say something that might not be right or something that they might not like but they know that you're sincere and it's coming out of your good heart so sincere and hard working i think for me my best strategy has been being sincere because if you try to you know sugarcoat things tell lies it's first and foremost difficult for you to remember what lie you've told which person and lies are different to different person so i think being honest is my best strategy just tell them what you think it is and i think they realize that if you're sincere people are going to support you and people realize that you're saying something because that is an actual problem you're not making up problems good advice to anyone not just young physicians no, i think i i learned that lesson when i was in i think 7th or 8th grade i told a lie and, and at the end of the day i could not tell remember what lie i had told and my my mom got to me and i and that's when i realized i'm not going to lie anymore yeah yeah so what advice would you give to young women physicians coming out of residency or fellowship to make their career go where they want it to go whether it's in leadership or not what is the advice you would give them if you can believe it you can achieve it and i think it's very important for you know physicians like you me to tell other medical students other residents that it's okay it's completely doable to have a successful career have a family raise good kids be in different networking committees i think to me is like you have to be very eager to do what you want to do and be passionate about it and what do you like to do for fun i think for fun uh, you know i'm a cardiologist i tell at least 30 patients a day <laughs> eat right walk exercise so that's what i i i i like to do zumba go for bike rides and i live in florida so it's sunny 365 days a year so we go out for bike rides with family and uh, just biking and uh, going on beaches so 
enjoying the Floridian life. And I'm from Goa, which is a very coastal town. So it's very similar to where I come from. So that's what I do for fun. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's very relaxing too. Definitely. And you said you have two young kids? I have two young kids, both girls. And I think it's very important for me because I think leadership begins at home. I saw my mother go into all these positions. So I was like, okay, if my mother can do it, I can at least attempt to do it. When the kids see us, they are looking at us. They see how well we are or how we're doing it. And they're seeing our struggles also. So I think that's an important part of leadership because it not only helps for you to grow into your professional space but as a leader you're even managing your family better i think time management is something that's very important that's a skill that you get to learn as you are trying to negotiate through all these meetings so what time management skills can you tell us one thing is being prompt with your emails that's something that i've learned when i would before like five six years before whenever i would get an email i would okay let me think about it i don't have the answer for it let me think about it and I would not get back to the email for two or three weeks. And that's something I've learned that if you have, if you have received an email from your society, from somebody, get to it at the right then. Even if you don't have the answer, whatever you think is the answer at that time, or tell them that you're going to get back to it. You're going to look at something, but do not ignore the emails because before you know, your emails build up. And then sometimes you cannot get to them because you're so busy in your clinical space. So get to the emails on time. Because if there are meetings, you might have to block your schedule and everything. But getting back to the person who might, you know, they, it might just be a yes or no answer, but answer them. Because when you answer them, they can carry on their other work, especially in the society meetings. They are just looking for an answer from you as a physician. And then they have so much work to do on their end. So do not leave other people pending. So much good advice. I'm sure all my listeners are going to have such a good time listening to this because there are so many pearls of wisdom they've heard from you. So thank you so much, Deepti. This was a pleasure. And I hope to learn more from you in the future. Thank you so much, Asha. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this valuable, don't forget to like, subscribe and share this with a colleague. And remember, you are a leader. Tune in in a couple of weeks for the next episode.